0: If you're wondering if a career in global health is the right one for you, how can you tell if it is? The London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine trains public health professionals for work in almost every country of the world as part of the global quest to bring health for all. At a symposium in London, young doctors, scientists and many other medical professionals heard what some of the school's key experts had to say about global health – and their personal reasons for starting their different specialities of public health.
1: I think I was horrified at the sort of clinical reality, the real sort of raw human reality of road death and injury. Uh, I was a paediatrician working in intensive care, and I just had my first child, a daughter, and you know you feel like this huge responsibility towards them. And then seeing then uh, what what. High velocity cars could do a, to a child's body, it just horrified me, and, and I thought, I don't like this at all, and I want to work on prevention. But then I, I started working on prevention, and I, I found out that epidemiology and public health had a lot to offer about treatment too. Well, I started off working in a liver unit, I was a re- registrar in hepatology many years ago, so I was seeing the consequences of alcohol and uh, the question that immediately arises is why are there so many people in my ward with severe alcoholic disease uh, alcoholic liver disease and and in fact every other complication of alcohol so you need to get out of the ward to understand what's going on there.
2: I trained as a as an ophthalmologist with a view to working overseas because this is what I had wanted to do since I was quite young. Um, I knew I didn't want to go and just be a clinician in developing countries, but I wasn't quite sure what other alternatives there were. And then when I was offered this chance to be involved in a clinical trial for Mectizan in Sierra Leone, I jumped at the chance and I suddenly realised that this was actually what I wanted to do. It was public health eye care to address international eye health concerns.
0: That was Claire Gilbert of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And before her, first was Ian Roberts, then Martin McKee, with different reasons why they became experts in tropical health, public health or global health. Different labels to describe the sort of health giving jobs where you look at what causes ill health around the world and then doing something about them. Claire mentioned a clinical trial she took part in and Ian Roberts told us what he calls the truth machine.
1: The truth machine is a very simple machine. It's otherwise known as the randomized controlled trial. And it it really finds the truth about the effectiveness of uh, healthcare interventions or or any public health intervention for that matter. And it just involves randomly allocating people to get the intervention or not and comparing the outcome in the two groups. Its special thing is that it's not dependent on theory. Theory is, is good, but it's potentially misleading.
0: So the public health expert's mission is to find the truth and not just to practice medicine in a particular way just because it's always been done that way. Ian says we need proof. It's that vital question of evidence versus authority. So should a bright, young, medically aware professional look after people who are sick or try to find out what needs to be done to reduce sickness in society? Peter Godfrey Fawcett.
1: In the end, when you're treating patients on an individual basis, you get very instant gratification from your patients. You you look after them, they get better. Whereas when you move into a more public health field, the gratification, if you like, is is a longer-term process. You you see things changing in the way the world operates, and that's very satisfying in in a longer-term perspective.
0: The talks in London were chaired by Andy Haynes, the London School's outgoing director. And when I asked him about his own experience of entering public health, he said it all started off with going to Jamaica and then Nepal when he was a very junior doctor and where he found things were quite different from the ideal conditions he would have wanted.
3: I'd finished my house jobs. I'd done a couple of um, senior house officer uh, positions. Um, but I mean, I was by no means, you know, a fully trained uh, doctor. And I anyway wasn't really equipped to deal with some of the things that I had to deal with there. I mean, I'd hardly seen much tuberculosis. And then I was confronted with sort of hundreds of cases of tuberculosis. So you had to learn quite quickly. And we had very limited drugs. So I mean, there weren't that many different options, but you did see some quite difficult cases. And um, uh, because we really were the only TB clinic in town, we used to get referrals from uh, from people's private offices, people who couldn't afford to pay, people used to walk for days to come and see us and so on. Um, and I had this idea I'd love to do a mobile clinic, but that wasn't possible just because there weren't resources to fund such a clinic. So um, inevitably you come up against the very, very real constraints of working in a, a very poor environment.
0: But it didn't put you off, nonetheless, and you still wanted to pursue a career in global health.
3: Well, in, in fact, I went. Uh, my, my whole career wasn't in global health. Well, what happened was, I came back to the UK and I worked in um, in general practice in primary care in um, in first of all in Wales, where I had some training, and uh, then in um, in London. So I worked in inner city London for many years, and it was uh, during my time there in my department at University College London that we started developing links with uh, many, many countries around the world, particularly to help support training in general practice, primary care, because that's a growing demand, uh, particularly um, in many low-middle-income countries. So we had very good links, for example, with Brazil, which I used to go to for many years. In fact, I still have very strong links there, and uh, Mm -hmm. in the Philippines and other parts of the world. And it's been really striking, actually, to see what's happened in some of these countries. So I've gone back to Brazil recently and I've just seen the extraordinary progress there where they've now got a primary care system which covers 100 million people having started with almost zero when I first went Um, and they've taken on some of the international lessons but they've also developed their own way of delivering primary care so they they have teams with doctors nurses and community health workers and uh, you know I think there's a lot we can learn from how low and middle income countries are, are tackling the problems in their environments.
0: Brian Greenwood at the London School is famous for his work in malaria, applying carefully researched scientific tests to life-challenging medical questions. He went to Africa in the 1960s and he told me most of his contemporaries thought that was a very poor career move. But he's been able to save greater numbers of lives preventing malaria as a result. He told me things have changed in the field of public health a lot since he started.
4: Global health as a subject really wasn't talked about at all. Tropical medicine got a little sort of small mention, but it was then very much the classical tropical medicine um, and much of the London School then was involved in that, in par- there were separate departments of parasitology and entomology and helminthology. And the idea of s- sort of more broadly public health applied on a global scale really didn't exist then. I think that is an, an, a newer concept that's come since then. And so a few people did go into tropical medicine then. But I think it was largely people who had interest in, in the biology. Um, they were interested in the parasites, in the worms, um, rather more than in the public health systems.
0: So in many respects, it's quite fair to say that over the last 45 or so years that the the world of global health has really developed into its own. um, I mean, it's developed a lot over that time. What are the key differences between then and now?
4: Well, I think the global world has come together because we have very much more communications. There is much more interchange Um, I can go to Nairobi for a meeting for one day and come back again um, do my teaching the next next day so the sort of and then talk to the people I would met in Nairobi either on the telephone or the email so this whole thing has become much more easy to communicate on a global scale and people sometimes forget that 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 is a really fairly recent past one or two decades, has allowed that to happen. So we can all communicate very much better. And so people don't feel so isolated, and that has really, really helped a lot. And I I think there has been much more exchange of people. Um, When I was a medical student, we had one person from Ghana in our year. I think he was probably very lonely. Um, There weren't many people from the developing world, certainly in undergraduate medical schools. And now when we look around or we see somewhere like the London School with people from everywhere... Um, doing their master's programmes here, the sort of movement of people has become much more global. So I think the whole idea of being involved in global health is much more accepted by the establishment and their hierarchy than it was when I started.
0: At the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, it's very normal to whiz off to some distant part of the planet and help, jointly with highly qualified local experts, a rigorously designed, randomised clinical study to find the evidence needed to save lives in low and middle income countries. More than that, thousands of London School of Hygiene students now live in over a 100 different countries taking distance learning courses. Sharon Hutley, the London School Dean of Studies, explained that a broad range of different skills are now needed to meet the global health challenge
5: public health brings a wide range of opportunities for people to choose from. Uh, One obvious career for people here at the London School is a research career, Um, but there are many more beyond that. People can go in to work with uh, national or international government organisations. They might work within uh, ministries of health, for example. Um, Really, quite a wide range of opportunities are open to people. So, of course, there are medically qualified people, but there are economists, uh, pharmacists, um, historians a really wide range of people that come to this subject area and Sharon told us what
0: questions we need to ask if we're thinking of trying for jobs in public health
5: that's one obvious question is what can my contribution be and to explore what that might be from based on their background and their particular interests and so on but I think public health is perhaps one of those areas where really there's something for almost everybody <laughs>
0: Andy Haynes has found that you should never assume that the health system in the country you were trained in is the one you should recommend in a country where you may find yourself working. And he went on to explain just how many different kinds of careers there may be.
3: We use the term global health in a range of different ways. More recently, it's been used really to describe transnational threats to health. So, studying things like climate change or pandemic flu, or looking at pandemic um, or looking at transnational influences, like for example global trade and how that's influencing health. So, that's one meaning of global health, and there is a lot of research or a growing body of research going on um, to uh, address those kind of transnational issues. And that's one possible career pathway. And the other career pathway is is what's traditionally been called international health sometimes tropical medicine where the focus is really very much on low income low to middle income countries and involves spending uh, long periods of time or in those countries, sometimes delivering care, undertaking research, teaching, and so on. So again, within global health, there's an enormous range of potential careers, everything from um, very kind of lab, basic science um, kind of work, looking at neglected diseases, for example, that particularly affect the poor, uh, clinical medicine, particularly with a focus traditionally on infectious diseases, but now we see that so many countries are getting all the non-communicable diseases, so I guess increasingly we're thinking about chronic diseases as a, a kind of coherent entity. And certainly in terms of delivery, I would guess that in five to ten years' time, we need chronic disease delivery systems that will embrace both HIV uh, and TB on the one hand, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease on the other, because many countries are having a double burden. So I think we will need people to develop that as an area for research, education, and clinical practice, obviously integrating that with, with the local primary care system.
0: What piece of advice would you have liked to have known when you were starting out?
3: Well, I think what I would have done, well, first of all, I'd I'd have got more training before I went abroad. Secondly, I would have gone somewhere where there was an infrastructure and where I could have practiced clinically, but at the same time um, done some research as well. Because um, I I realized fairly early on in my career I did want to be an academic, but I wanted to practice clinical medicine as well and i think uh, looking back if i could have had if i'd have known where to go to get that dual experience of clinical medicine and research uh that would have probably been that would have stood me in extremely
4: good stead i think
0: so what advice would the london school experts give to anybody considering a career in global health
4: i think for lots of people to spend one or two years from, You probably have to spend that length of time to be useful and to have a productive time in some developing country situation as part of their career. It's excellent. I mean, it gives people a broader view of the world. It uh, establishes links that may last for the rest of uh, one's career. So that's uh, something that everybody can do, I think, and uh, should be encouraged to think about that.
1: I think people are good at things when they care about them. So find, find the thing that you care about and, uh, and, and, and follow it. And public health is really about everything. Uh, so it's all the world's problems linked together in public health. So uh, if there's a, a problem that you care about passionately, public health is a good place for you to be able to tackle that. And when you're doing things that you really love, you're usually happier and more successful. The important thing is to is to follow your heart. I think you have to see what you enjoy doing. I think you need to keep your mind very open and read widely around subjects so that you decide what are the things that really matter, um, and then follow those things that do seem to matter in the world.
2: If you're interested in the broader health issues, rather than just treating individuals, then public health may be for you. Um, it's very broad in its scope Uh, you have to be somebody who is interested in uh, in reading broadly in either doing research or um, collating the findings of other people's research and knowing how to how to apply it
1: you need to have a broad vision Uh, you need to have a determination to change the world a willingness to put your neck on the block uh, from time to time Uh, so I think it's about vision it's about leadership it's about being able to connect the dots to see uh, to see the big picture and if you're somebody who wants to do that rather than focus down very narrowly public health is for you.
0: Martin McKee ending our comments from leading experts on global health all of whom were talking at the symposium in London. For audio news from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine I'm Sarah Maxwell.